Well, howdy, Huda Thunkers. This is your host, Zeb, of the Huda Thunkin' Podcast, as always. This is Season 2, Episode 21 of the Huda Thunkin' Podcast. And to start off, we'll do another recommendation segment. My recommendation this week is for everyone enjoying a nice Memorial Day party this upcoming weekend. I know Cornhole is all the rage for outdoor leisure games right now, but I recommend Cornhole's predecessor, Horseshoes. Now, I know Cornhole is convenient. It's just too bored. You set it up. It doesn't destroy your your lawn. It's not a permanent fixture of your lawn. But Horseshoes is cooler. I know you need sand and usually like big wood like horseshoe ties or something um and a piece of rebar but it's much better my brother jake and i played a game of horseshoes this past weekend in my mom's backyard we didn't know any rules so we just made up our own point system and it was actually a really good time um that's probably the best way to play it (laughs) horseshoes may not be as convenient like i said as cornhole boards uh but i argue digging a pit hammering some rebar in the middle and filling it with sand is well worth it so give it a try and it feels manlier you know something heavy like a horseshoe in your hand tossing across the lawn so try it out this memorial day weekend and have some fun now for the main event this episode is about lawn darts the episode title uh being lawn darts weapons of war so this past weekend i went home to visit my family at one point across the sea of our of other family members my uncle troy points over to me and asks hey zeb have you ever heard of lawn darts i knew right then and there that this week's episode was going to be about the bizarre story of how an ancient weapon was turned into a backyard family game and then was banned by most of North America. This is America, after all. (laughs) So let me start off with the actual origins of lawn darts before they were called lawn darts, back when it was called the plumbata. So some sources say the plumbata dates back to about 500 BC. Plumbata means lead-weighted. If you've ever heard of, um, like, the chemical name for lead it plum plumbus plumbata that that that's weight that mean plum means lead so the plumbum means lead actually that's how it translates the plumbate were designed to be issued into infantry soldiers in ancient world in the ancient world for just not just romans the greeks as well but the romans did it more prominently another name for this ancient war dart in Latin was Martio Barbuli. Uh, that means little barbs of Mars, which I thought was a cool um, translation. Mars being the god of war for the Romans. So it's little barbs of, of war, basically. It was a weighted dart used most notably by the Romans. The design was rather simple. The tip was barbed to make it more difficult for the enemy to extract from their flesh and the flesh of their horses. The shaft had a lead weight attached to it to increase the amount of force applied when the dart reached its target upon failing, falling back down to earth. They would lunge these things up in the air and then they'd come back down. The back of the dart had feathers attached to stabilize the dart for aiming, and shield-bearing warriors would carry five of these weighted darts on them. When enemy forces closed in on Roman legions, the mid and rear flanks would step back and underthrow the plumbata in droves. So they would throw them underhand, it'd sail up into the air, and then once they'd hit that critical point where gravity took hold, they'd come sailing back down. And with that weight, they could get quite a lot of force on them. 
the weapon was comparatively cheap to produce and the technique was so easy to carry out that virtually any soldier could be trained to throw them. The efficiency of these Martio Barbuli legions was so high that kings from all over the ancient world began to praise these dart-wielding soldiers. They were effective at slowing down large groups of enemy forces and of course they dealt their fair share of killing blows. They weren't designed to kill like a bow and arrow or a sword. Um, that wasn't their main purpose. They were, like I said, to slow them down, but they, they certainly did kill people. Uh, then America came along. <laughs> so thousands of years later, after the Romans, after the 500 BC beginning of this or invention of this weapon, in the 1950s, a dentist named Lawrence Barnett from Fort Edward, New York, invented lawn darts. He had no idea his game had been a literal weapon of war when he decided to market it as a family game to be enjoyed by American families during events like this upcoming weekend, Memorial Day. So... <laughs> He had no idea it was a weapon of war, and he's like, here, kids, play with these lawn darts, <laughs> and it was problematic. On the blog, I put up some um, images of lawn darts and how kind of bizarre it looked. Basically, the game was simple. You have a big yellow hoop. It's just a almost like a flat circle, um, and you lay it in the yard, basically as a target. You st- walk kind of far away, and then you throw these darts at it, and you can get a bullseye if it's... If it's stuck inside of the hoop, you got a bullseye. If or the closest dart to the hoop, if nobody made it, got one point, And whoever made it in got like three points or five points, something like that. So it's very similar to horseshoes. Now, the decades that followed the invention of, of lawn darts in the 1950s saw lots of injuries and even more outraged parents. In response to these injuries, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, the CPSC, banned the toy for a number of years. The ban was specifically due to the injuries incurred by children, lawn dart and jart. So it's also called jarts. I think that was like a different manufacturer, but same exact uh, toy. Uh, the lawn dart and jart companies went to court over the battle and came to a compromise with the CPSC. There was a regulation stating that lawn darts could be made and sold as long as they were marketed only uh, only marketed the game for adults. A warning label had to be placed on each package alerting consumers to the danger they posed and the darts couldn't be merchandised in toy mark departments or sold in toy stores because those are where kids go. Uh, these regulations accomplished very little. The toy stores and departments ignored the regulations and sold the lawn darts anyway, and manufacturers failed to put these warning stickers on their product, so they just ignored the CPSC. And most importantly, the injuries didn't stop. Now, this brings us to April of 1987. A man by the name of David Snow buys a three-in-one game set. He only wanted to use the volleyball game, but the store didn't have single sets for volleyball. So he bought the combo pack with no intention of using the lawn dart game that was included. This purchase would be one of the biggest regrets of his life. Mentalfloss.com breaks down the incident pretty well, so I'm just going to quote them. Quote, one Sunday afternoon, soon after his nine-year-old son and some of his neighborhood friends found the jarts began tossing them around in Snow's backyard. One kid tossed his jart so far and too high, sailing it over the backyard fence into the front yard where Snow's daughter, seven-year-old Michelle, was playing with her dolls. The jart came down right on her head, and with what researchers estimate as 23,000 pounds of pressure per square inch penetrated her skull. She collapsed, was rushed to the hospital, and was pronounced clinically dead three days later. I would consider that a bit of a freak accident, but also these were weapons. And 23 pounds per square inch 
is about the force of a 700-pound saltwater crocodile can bite. According to a 2012 study by Gregory Erickson of Florida State University, it is the most powerful bite ever recorded by a living animal. That is what killed David Snow's daughter in April of 1987. So, no surprise, David Snow was in shock um, for quite some time, like any parent would be. But David wasn't like most parents. He was smart and a very determined individual. He was an aerospace engineer from Riverside, California. Unable to focus on his work after his daughter's death, David poured himself into getting justice for his daughter, Michelle. David started researching lawn darts. It, it is always good to note that researching before the internet was something entirely different. It took a lot more time, effort, patience, and know-how. But that didn't stop David. He found out about the ban on lawn darts years earlier and also knew how much, or how much said regulation was being ignored. He passed... He pressed the CPSC to crack down on the game and ban it entirely. The CPSC statistician claimed that only a few dozen ER visits were caused by lawn darts. They couldn't authorize a ban based on such low numbers of ER visits. So David insisted their calculations must be incorrect based on the evidence he saw. He urged the CPSC to tweak their counting and to do count again. Due to simple human error, a mass amount of lawn dart or jar injuries had been missed by the CPSC statisticians. Of course, or, 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 no, the, there had, when they recounted, the CPSC found out that there had been 6,100 ER visits directly caused by lawn darts over the course of an eight-year period. Of those ER visits, 81% were kids under the age of 16, with half of that being under the age of 10 the vast majority of lawn dart injuries, ER visits, injuries were to the head, face, eyes, and or ears. Most injuries caused permanent injury or disability. People were going blind over this lawn toy, okay? And the thing is, is it worth it? So the ban went through. In 1988, David Snow was putting in work lobbying for his cause. He participated in TV and newspaper interviews, anyone who would listen to him. He even met with President Reagan's assistant for consumer affairs. His work paid off. At the, at the time, an 11-year-old girl in Tennessee was laying in a coma from a lawn dart injury. The Consumer Product Safety Commission voted two to one in favor of banning lawn darts. They were removed from stores the week before Christmas of 1988 and banned for further from further sale. So, just like that, the game was not... You couldn't buy it anymore. Now, lawn darts are just a distant memory of the 1980s for most people. I'm sure some people still have an old set somewhere in their garage or their attic. Um, and I'm, you might be able to get some money off that, but I don't know if you'd be allowed to. I know if you place a bid on eBay, they take it down right away. Like, you're not allowed to sell them. There is an underground darts tournament in the Dayton, Ohio... It was reported in the book Sports from Hell, My Search for the World's Dumbest Competition. So, but I, and you know, I've been to Dayton, Ohio. I was in Dayton for about five minutes during a road trip pit stop. And during those five minutes, I witnessed a break in. Uh, best you just avoid that place altogether. <laughs> in my opinion on the ban, normally I would be against government intervention. Uh, banning something, it just leads to banning more and more things. And consenting adults should be allowed to do what they want when they want. However, this wasn't impacting adults. It was injuring and, in rare cases, uh, killing them. It was killing kids, okay? This 
is an was an ancient weapon for Pete, ancient weapon for Pete's sake. Um, the commission tried to regulate the game to make it so adult only adults played it, but the manufacturers ignored it, and the result was kids suffering. So, if someone wants to play lawn darts that badly, they can make a set of their own. It's you know if they have some know how and you know maybe a metalworking shop. <clears throat> And they can play on their own time on their own property. And, you know, I'm not ruffling feathers over the death of lawn darts. You know what I mean? It's they're gone now. It's OK. Play some horseshoes or something. Like I said in the beginning, you know, play horseshoes or or play some cornhole. But you don't need to play lawn darts. It's it's just too dangerous if a kid walks by. Thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. My work is forcing me to work on Memorial Day, but I'm still going to a party on Saturday where I played plan to enjoy a nice game of horseshoes with my friends and family. I appreciate you listening, and thanks for tuning in. Uh, tune in next week as well. Every, every week, either Wednesday or Thursday, I'll be cranking out these episodes. See you later.